It's time for the Daily Review, a podcast dedicated to reviews and discussion of TV, movies, and books. Look for us at Daily Review on Facebook and Twitter and dailyreview.com on the web. That's D-A-L-E-Y review.com. This is Paul Daly here with my wife, Caroline. Hey, guys. And today we're here to discuss the ninth episode of the third season of USA's Colony. This one is called The Big Empty. Okay, Paul. So upon seeing that title name, we had a completely different idea about what this episode was going to be about. You thought it related to the Yonk and the Big Easy and all that? And you thought it meant they were going back to the L.A. block. Right, because I figured it would be empty, so that would be the empty thing. No, I think this is more of a a, a, a personal journey into emptiness, right? I think so. It's not an external thing. I think it's a big empty heart, perhaps? Big empty, like... Uh, pit in your stomach kind of thing, all yeah, that kind of business. That kind of emptiness. Not, I uh, think so. Not I agree with that. Physical emptiness. Right. I totally agree. Let's get started on that cold open. This is a reversal of the scene where Will notices Snyder coming out of the building, the same building as their as their mark. I totally thought it was a, it was a new guy. Uh, what did you think? No, I thought that it was the target guy. And I was like, hey, that's the target guy. And you're like, it can't be because Broussard shot him. And I'm like, yeah, but that's him. So I don't know how it could be him, how it could be him but it is him. What do you think was in that briefcase? They showed a little bit. This is what I think, guys. I feel like it looks like samples of blood. And I'm going to go with like maybe tissue samples because it was like Petri dishes. So if you looked in that suitcase that it was David... Jenner brought into Kine's office. There was like these circular things that I'm calling petri dishes, and then there were like elongated tubes that I'm thinking is like blood samples. Some kind of biological samples we're going with for now. It looked also like it had just a little bit of high techness to it. You know, there were like I don't know, it was metallic looking, and I I can't I can't identify it all because they only gave us a second to look at it. His name was Dr. Or I'm, I'm saying Dr. David Jenner. Wasn't Jenner, isn't that name with... That was... Edward Jenner was an English physician and scientist who was the pioneer of smallpox vaccine. Hmm. Well, if we're talking about biological weapons, I feel like we could we could make a little leap that maybe they use the name. I could. I could also that, that they pulled, because they've done that before where they've pulled oh, yeah. names out of meaningful bits of history. So sure. For sure. So then they showed us that that Jenner took the the sample briefcase over to more of a lab where they showed us them actually testing that material. The drone shot, did it actually impact that material at all? Yeah, it did. But then the shots just fell to the floor like human bullets. And those we know that those drone bullets, whatever those are, are strong enough to just pulp a person, you know? entirely instead of just like going through them it liquefies yeah. them you know yes so this is orders of magnitude stronger than we th- we thought with just a nine millimeter through a, a milk bottle shooting it so now we know that they are going to take this material sample elsewhere in that briefcase they get it all prepared that particular briefcase isn't going to make it because this is the entire replay of the alleyway ambush by Broussard and Dr. D, but it's all from the standpoint of David in the back seat. 
Do you think we were supposed to glean any other bit of information from that? Just the very easy stuff that they served up, you know, that Snyder was staying. He was going to have this security detail attached to him. And Kynes wasn't, uh, he was kind of done rolling out the red carpet for Snyder. But those, I mean, that was all pretty just plain Jane right there to see. So no, I don't know what else. I guess was I was there. trying to think if there was any other reason why they would rewind time and show us that entire scene from David's point of view. What were we supposed to get out of him driving into the alley, going through that entire scene again? Did we miss something? Well, there is a very interesting thing with that blue drone, uh, which is Snyder always claimed that the drones were not theirs to control. There was nothing they did that made a drone operate you know they didn't summon a drone they couldn't tell a drone to go over there so they had a drone under their under like a uh some sort of bracket right mm -hmm. and she basically in indicated that that it needed to fire and it did fire right when she said to fire yeah this is not very drone like you know host drone behavior so okay do we assume then of course that the host drone was given to them like the the host technology in general that's that's yes because capturing it would be against his better interests so. so let's keep thinking this through so is the is that material that we were just making sure that a host drone couldn't shoot through is that material human made or host technology what if it's host technology applied in a human form right if you were going to armor your own army against drones wouldn't you want them covered in that shit yes which is why i'm saying it seems like i don't know if the hosts know what we're doing with our drone practice you know it seems like maybe possibly we're trying to come up with a material that can't be shot through by drones which would only be the type of material you might need if you were going to go head to head you're with on fighting a drones. drone, right? Yes. <laughs> right? <laughs> so I am just wondering if there was more exposed to this whole situation than just like, okay, and then we just saw a rewind. What did we really see? Did we see, is it possible that Kynes is taking host technology or any bit of the technology? Is it possible that we are trying to create our own defense against aliens including the hosts what did we actually see i mean if if we're onto something then it could add up to that kinds is essentially oscar schindlering this deal right perhaps kind of stringing out the the whole occupation trying to save as many people as he can Work, yes, he has to work with the bad guys. He he would be classified as a war criminal, of course, but but in the meantime, saving a bunch of people. So I wonder, and wouldn't that tie back into the red coat? If we were supposed to get any hint of the Schindler-esque behavior of kinds. That does kind of stick together, doesn't it? I'm starting to wonder. So, And we know it, there's a huge World War II influence on this show. Absolutely. And who... Better to highlight and make a hero in a modern story, but someone like Oscar Schindler, right? Mm -hmm. If you were trying to showcase World War II and you were trying to take it to like on a bigger intergalactic scale, wouldn't that be the type of story that could prove to be 
successful? It's tricky. He's got to show, he's got to make his quota and he's got to show what he said he could show. But at the same time, maybe, maybe you could actually show it a lot faster, but he's just saying, no, this is the rate we can do it at. You know what I mean? Yeah. So as long as he gets his numbers right, I mean, that does sacrifice people, but not, it doesn't sacrifice everybody. Well, and it's and if you if you guys haven't seen Schindler's List or you haven't read anything about what actually happened with Oscar Schindler, I mean, he couldn't save everybody, you know, and that was that was a given. He saved as many as he could. He did as much as he could. He did very similar things, you know, in terms of not allowing um, or or trying to shield the factory and his workers from. There was a factory even. I'm yeah. just saying there's an awful lot of terminology and words here that would be, there was a train. If that continues to play out in that fashion, then- We are the smartest people on the effing planet. I, well, that goes without saying. But what does not go without saying is, remember there was an aspect of that where he, when he had, when he was forced to move his workers to a munitions factory, it was his- mission that none of their weapons would ever work. Yes, I do 100% remember that, which means that's still on the table. Like, yeah, maybe Emerald City over there, that's all glowing. Maybe whatever's over there, maybe that stuff doesn't work. You know, mm-hmm. I'm just saying I would like to put this little nugget out there, encourage all of you guys to spend your weekend watching Schindler's List and trying to see if there's anything that you see that could possibly play in. Because, I don't know, we have not seen beyond this episode, but there's an awful lot that feels like it would make sense to make Kynes the good guy in the end here, even if it looks like he's doing shady stuff. If you haven't seen Schindler's List, you could probably turn it on at any point in time and tell someone, oh, I can't go do that. I'm watching Schindler's List. And they would say, oh, okay, I'll just let you finish. You could say, I can't go to grandma's birthday because I'm finishing Schindler's List. And grandma would say, you watch that's Schindler's fine. List. You can do that. That's right. This is one of those get out of jail free cards for sure, because it is that good of a movie and that important of a story. Very much feels like Ryan Condal could have been willing to to put his story within this context. So let's move forward to our gigantic part of this plot. Did you like that, Paul? That was like my Ferris Bueller gigantic. camera. Gigantic. You're like Abe Froman, the, I'm totally Abe the Froman, sausage, sausage king, king of Chicago. Cameron. Um, okay, so we have this one big mission that included a whole lot more of our cast than we really expected. It really only excluded Katie and Gracie. We think. I'm still very suspicious about Gracie and what she was up to because her actions in this did not make a whole hell of a lot of sense, to be honest with you. So let's talk about Katie and Gracie just for a minute because it's only a second's worth of time. Okay? Sure. So they played out very little in this episode. I want to think that stuff was actually cut because it almost doesn't make sense how little they were in it. Gracie comes downstairs and is complaining about her door And also, it seems like she's almost like a distraction or something, you know? Katie's all interested in her, and then Will just kind of slips on by, you know? And is like, yeah, no, it's cool. I just wanted to see you in the morning, and just kind of goes, right? And offers to fix the door. Later, we have Gracie and Katie in Gracie's bedroom, and Gracie says something that was fairly odd, Paul. She starts saying that she thinks Bram has a girlfriend, and she knows this because 
he seems to be hanging on the phone a lot. Now, does this ring true to you, Paul? Well, we know that she and Bram have already talked about the girlfriend, so she knows. But She knows everything about the girlfriend. She and, knows it's Meadow. She knows that there's talk of an apartment. She knows that there's talk of moving her to another apartment. The, the tactic of bringing up something that you've known about for a while with someone that has no idea about it with a, I think, et cetera, et cetera, is a pretty grown-up way to do it for, what is she, 11 or something like 12, that? 12, they said. But- I feel like they even made Katie's line like highlight it. She's like, you're so smart, Gracie. You're so smart that you figured out that Bram has a girlfriend because he's spending time on the phone. Because you asked him. <laughs> right. And not, but I mean, not just like, do you have a girlfriend? I mean, they had a whole girlfriend conversation. Like, how are things going? Things are going good. You know, like, yeah. I mean, it, in no way is it like so confusing, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know what Gracie's game was here. That's my problem. I can't figure out if she was just supposed to plant some little seed in there to make it be like Katie's all thinking about that because she's all smiling when she closes the door, not thinking, where's Bram? Where's Will? (laughs) She's thinking, does Bram have a girlfriend? (laughs) You know, like, was it just like another little side distraction or was there something else? Well, you know, we know that Katie's uh, involved with the refugees at work. She's got a boss she can't trust. So, you know, she's got her own hashtag reasons for being distracted. Totally agree with that. But what's with the Gracie? Hmm. They have not really serviced Gracie this season. Last, you know, in seasons past, they had the whole Lindsay greatest day takeover kind of thing to contend with as like a problem for Gracie. And they haven't given Gracie anything in this season to really do. So maybe you're onto something. Maybe there's, she's, uh, She's trying to do something, but I don't I don't know what it could be. I don't, I don't know. I don't. Listeners, we want your feedback. What do you think, Gracie? What was she up to? What was this conversation? I mean, it was so blah and so seemingly nothing that it's like it's got to be something because that just seemed way too just like, why'd you even put it in? <laughs> why did you put that in if it meant nothing at all? Something's afoot there. But let's talk about the big thing, Paulo. Finally got our Will V. Snyder. Yeah, this whole episode is dedicated to this capture and interrogation of of Snyder at the hands of Broussard, Will, and a very reluctant Dr. Amy. I very much appreciated all of the small details they gave us in this to show us how they got all the people in place. I thought it was smart. I thought that they used a lot of a variety of tactics to get it done. So let's just hit them like bullet points. First, Will and Amy posed as a couple checking in to Snyder's hotel. Then Broussard gets a maintenance guy drunk, manages to put him in a cab, and at the same time stealthily snag his uniform. Gots to say, Broussard lovers out there, Broussard's making me a lover out of him at these times. I am totally switching on over. He has lots of good plans in this one. I mean, think of the research. You just threw that together? He did great. That was fantastic. What about Bram? How does he get into this mix? Well, Bram is the surprise player. I mean, we see him like trade shifts at work or something, but that's like, okay. But now we see that Bram is actually their man on the outside, keeping an eye on the door, basically. Super duper smart, you guys. Super smart. And I 
fully believed Bram's crap about the girlfriend, want to meet up for food, blah, blah, blah. I believed it. So then when he popped up, I was like, Bram, you lied to me. You lied, Bram. He's a skilled liar. Oh, my God. That was fantastic. So then every single person played their part, including Amy as the bumbling, half-nude, robed woman in the hallway with too much crap in her hands, right? All these ice buckets. Ah. <laughs> right. What was she carrying? It was like a coffee machine and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like all different appliances they could find around the room. She's like carrying a lamp and like that, uh, the alarm clock and everything. So what a good way to suck Snyder in. Fantastic. I mean, if you had a few more episodes in the season, you might want to show the fans how they found out all this fantastic information about like the maintenance guy and what floor Snyder was on and all these things. Like, we're just supposed to kind of assume spy shit just happened and I you love know, it. that kind of stuff. I thought it was fantastic. And I didn't actually mind not knowing all that backstory. I was pretty happy with just doing it and doing it in a way that was almost like, we're going to have a montage <laughs> to like get all your shit in order. Like it was actually one step above a montage and how quick that stuff was put together. I Definitely appreciated that editing. I liked it. Yeah, because it's lickety split and we're we're down to business. We've got Snyder abducted before, I mean, five minutes have passed of television time. So it looked as though plan A was to get him, Snyder, taped up, put inside a laundry cart and wheel him out the service entrance out to a waiting car. Bramsters. I believe that was plan A, yes. Okay, Bram, with his it looks like rain, gives them the heads up that no, actually, one of the private security who's supposed to be monitoring Snyder was actually lingering around the service door. Thank you for making it smart. Of course, the private security would not just hold down the front door. They would, of course, secure the area, right? Any other obvious doors to make sure no one was going to cause problem anywhere. Smart, Paul. Clever. I really liked the addition of Bram to the team. Me too. I could see. Who thought we would say that line? I could. Well, I mean, I've been defending Bram this whole season. Not this whole podcast, but this whole season. <laughs> so, I mean, he felt like a good fit. I know that later on, when we finally have the big come to Jesus with Katie, which has to be coming. She's going to be kind of pissed that he involved Bram instead of her, you know? Ah, but Bram was in the perfect position. I mean, and I really wonder how far back any of this goes. I mean, we don't really have a specific timeline, so it's hard to know, like, did Bram move over to community patrol in order to be in a better position for something like this? Was that even on the table? We don't have like a succinct timeline. You know, of exactly when did he sign up for community patrol? Exactly when did, uh, you know, Will and seeing Snyder, like, how did it all exactly work? It's not 100%. We think, I mean, it's within a couple of days because he's yeah. very new to community patrol. Well, and Snyder's only sticking around a couple of days extra. So right. So if you went by so. the Snyder timeline, it almost felt like the next day. But you could see where it could be a day or two and later. And Bram's brand new. And still look the same. Yeah. So I'm going to actually be real fluid with that timeline to say, I don't know at what point that Bram got brought in on the situation. Seems to me, again, if you look at the whole dynamic of this family, has Bram changed in so many ways? I mean, he was so... Such a little like, you know, I was going to say something very 
crude about Bram just then, but he was on his mom, okay? Like constantly uh, following the resistance. And now I feel like he's like on the right team where he understands like there's some degree of collaborating in order to be in the right position at the right time to take advantage of it. Right. Love it. That's the antithesis of what he did in the first season when we're hating on him so much. Yeah, he seems more... I mean, he, he's driven by a lot of raw emotions, for one thing, but uh, at least he's still keeping his head and and performing like he's like a professional, pretty much. I really appreciate how the actor himself is playing Bram at this point. He is wide eyed, but the wide eyes are, have now turned fierce. Like when he's saying something to you, they're big eyes, but they're intense eyes. They're not big eyes, like dopey, like oh, I'm immature. I'm just new to this sitch. Now, right. I mean, he is seasoned in this world. He knows what's up and his eyes are like, uh, they're big, but they're like laser beam big. Like, listen to me. I got some information for you. <laughs> and I really like that. So since they have to go over to plan B, they end up in this storage closet. What did you think exactly was going to go down here? And did you think that was going to play out like it did? Uh, well, anytime you're abducted and you are taken to a place that already has like plastic strung up around the room, <laughs> that's, a, that's a bad time for you, I'm afraid. <laughs> As Oprah has taught us, Paul, you never go to the second location. So once he is brought from the hotel room to the second location that is pre-prepared for his demise, bad news, y'all. Never go to the second location. If you're going to fight, you fight in the first location. You don't let them bring you to the second. Let's get down to some of these questions and answers between Broussard and Will, for that matter, and Proxy. I like how Broussard has laid out the connection between answering questions and breathing. Because it's, <laughs> it's like it's 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 not he doesn't even he doesn't say or even intimate that he is going to beat Snyder. It's just as soon as you're done talking, we'll kill you. That's it. So, you know, it's in your interest to keep talking. I, I've i never seen, I mean, I've seen a lot, of, a lot of televised beatings and no one's ever approached it like that. I love it. So right off the bat, they ask a very, very smart question. Is anyone going to miss you tonight? Is there any plans that you had? And he starts the lying right away. Right off the bat. <laughs> right off the bat. Nope. Not until breakfast. Wow. I mean, yeah. smart move, not smart move. No, I don't think so. His security indicated that they were kind of on top of him. So they didn't they wanted to even go up to his room with him, even though it was probably safe. Okay, so so how could he have played that differently if he said my security's gonna come looking for me? Don't you think that that would have pushed them to drag him to another location or what? How do you think that would have played out had he not lied? They would have known that they were on the clock. I don't think they would have changed locations again, though. Okay. So then the hope is that this just drags out long enough for security or somebody to come find them. That was probably Snyder's game plan there at that point. Yeah, I like it. Okay. So we got some answers, some confusion. I appreciated how Will just summed up the whole thing. Part of it's probably true, but the problem is we'll never know which part. <laughs> I think that that's probably very, very, very accurate. Snyder's whole deal. And this is probably true of many, many successful people in things like business and politics is that he can tell a version of the truth that is the truth, right? 
So he can say, no, I didn't do that. And be and and and, and pass a lie detector, right? Because he's not lying. It's just you didn't ask the right question, you know? So if you would have found the right question, maybe you would have gotten him a lie or maybe you would have gotten the truth, but you just never found the right question. All right. So let's run down some of his questions and you tell me if you think he's telling the truth or not. Okay. Yeah. So obviously we know that they were lying. He was lying about what was going on in the island when he said he didn't know. Right. Then he got a quick smack. Yeah. That was just and suddenly a, he remembered. Just, he remembered to tell the truth. That right? was like all three strikes in one. That was kind of awesome. Yeah. The smack was a good smack. Okay. So. Do you think it's a spaceport for supplies? Is this true or false? Supplies, spaceport, yes. Supplies, uh, fudging. I mean, obviously that's, that, that area would need those special stasis chambers. So those are kinds of supplies. So it doesn't quite qualify as an up and up lie. But again, it's not probably 100% the whole truth. Okay. His definition of what the outliers were and how they're going to be used. I think that was truthful, except I, if I was Broussard, I would need to know, what do you mean by they're the bioweapons? That would have been a pretty reasonable follow-up. And you know well, who kind of messed that up? Dr. D, Amy, because she is the one that popped up and was saying, oh, you mean that they're like soldiers, they're building an army. Like she like piped in with that. And Snyder never said that. And so it was like, he didn't say anything, but she just piped in with that, which sort of skewed the questioning towards this idea of, oh, well, we're creating an army. Mm -hmm. And the material is going to be this bulletproof outfit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You got it all right, Amy. You said it all. But Snyder never said this stuff. He never said, he said he'd never seen the material before. He never claimed that they were going to be soldiers or an army anything like that. So kind of when you really look at that conversation, Amy really like shat the bed by just like pooping this big pile of answers into the middle of it. And Snyder never said shit about that. He did say the outliers were being stored there. He did say they were being stored under the island, if you will, under the platform. And he did say that it was the biological portion of the plan. But that's all. That's not giving me enough. Because when I'm thinking of bioweapon and they are walking, talking humans, otherwise, I th- I begin to think, think of things like War of the Worlds, you know, like getting the enemy sick with just earthborn germs and viruses and stuff like that. That's a pretty lame way to go out. <laughs> Don't you think? That's, I mean, the end of War of the Worlds is like the cold, a cold got them. Uh all I know is that, I mean, I appreciated the part where Broussard was like, um, okay, so outliers are things that uh, drones don't kill. And he kind of glances at Will. Will's like, nod, like, I totally know what you're talking about. Um, and we know there's hundreds of thousands of them. But the rest of it, I want to caution listeners, Amy supplied the answers, not Snyder. Right. That's a good thing to point out because all he needs to do is just keep quiet. He didn't Which even is nod. what he was totally doing. He didn't bat an eye. So. And he claims he's never seen the material. They do show the briefcase. He says he's never seen it. 
He doesn't know what's up with it, but they just keep kind of talking about it kind of around him. Basically, Snyder just ends up saying Kynes has his own agenda. You know, the reason why I'm here is because Seattle has this colony running. We know Kynes is doing something else. IGA wants to take him out. So I'm just trying to figure out exactly what he's doing here. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm here. That's the whole sitch. I don't feel like he exactly told anything that was like not truthful in any of that. And again, I frown on Amy, who they gave us almost a crash course in interrogation at the resistance camp. Okay, when when Vince would constantly tell McGregor, like, back off, you're not letting me do my job. You're supplying answers and tipping things in a way that is allowing them to wiggle out of what of actually answering me. So they like specifically gave us this like highlighted moment of how to fuck up an interrogation and that's by having a third party offer information that wasn't a part of the interrogation right they said that so if we're going to follow their rules that they like let us know then amy should have shut up and let Roussard ask direct questions and force snyder to answer them they get the little area with bram pushing the button on his shoulder again Super smart work, Bram. Super smart. He's talking with the security officers outside. He says, oh, should I call for backup? And puts his finger on the button. Very, very normal thing to do. They say, no, 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 you don't need to call backup. But he keeps his finger on his walkie-talkie button to Mm -hmm. leave the line open, which allows our crew down in the storage room to hear the security officer saying, here's who we're looking for. Here's what's going on. Blah, 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 blah. That was actually kind of funny because... You know, the, the microphone's up on his shoulder, but the um, the walkie-talkie's still on his waist. So he so he took the cop pose. You know, he put his hands on his hips like, so what are we going to do here, boys? <laughs> and, he, and he really looked the part, you know? I thought he did great. Three cheers for Bram. For all of these podcasts that I've said, Bram's not doing the right thing. Bram, you have redeemed yourself in my eyes. And I will stop and even say, Broussard, I thought you did a great job in this episode. I was really pleased with you. Amy, I think you are still a fink and I do not trust you and I've never trusted you. Guess what? You've kept in my not trust club. You are out of the circle of trust and you've never even deserved to be in it. Yeah. Yeah. She's still sketchy to me. And I mean, yeah, I mean, you're arguing in favor of not just killing Snyder is is one thing, but I mean, you have no idea about the history here, lady. Yes, you know. But let us discuss that for a moment. Who would argue? Who would argue to keep Snyder alive based on morality and all this other crap? Who, somebody you trust, is on on Will and Broussard's side, or somebody who's got a little thinky little agenda of her own? Someone that has their own interest in keeping Snyder alive. I agree. That was not about being like, it's not going to solve anything to kill him. Amy, grow up. (laughs) We're in an intergalactic war. You don't be telling us what's what. Why would you even be a part of this whole freaking deal if that was going to be the stance you were going to take? You knew the plan going into it. Will is going to kill him at the end. We told him we were going to kill him at the end. Now you're coming in with Pollyanna talk. Get out of my storage room. Get uh, out. They get out and it's alone time with Uncle Will and Uncle Alan. What did you think of that moment when Will is behind Snyder? He's still in the chair or the, the top of the toilet. And, the and, and, he, the toilet. and he puts his arms around him and puts it, gets like cheek to cheek with him. What did you think of that moment? Intense. Very, very intense. I thought that everything that happened between the two of them went so far beyond an interrogation. I mean, 
this was like two people who had been through a freaking disaster, an absolute tragedy, doing like an after action review about who did what to the who now and how, you know, each part had their own reasons and each part had their own tie to the situation. And I I appreciated how much that Snyder did attempt to appease Will. I I did think that as soon as he started with that lying about saying, oh, it was the host that called. Why didn't he just say Vince did it? Why didn't he say Vince was Vince was two faced? Vince was working for the IGA. Vince actually called the Grey Hats. Why did I mean, he could have just somehow just said Vince did it, which would have been truthful rather than saying that the host called them. Well, the Vince thing would lead to questions about how he would know that. And the excuse he gave is something Will could never verify. He's never going to be able to ask a host, hey, when you guys turn back on, do you automatically send a distress call? Is that However, just- Vince is dead and McGregor's dead. So the whole concept of like, well, he doesn't know what Snyder saw or didn't see. He doesn't know what room Vince called the I, them from you know i mean he that's doesn't true. know that's true there's no one to say it wasn't truthful i actually disagree with you that there there could be a way to check up on a host situation not like it really matters at this point all in all though i felt bad that snyder started off with not being truthful with will and i do think that it was the kind of thing where will knew he wasn't telling the truth in some part of his heart that just made him insane because it didn't matter whether the host thing was true or not true, whatever. He just, whatever little nugget of how he is as an officer or as an army guy or whatever, all the different things that he has played roles of in this in this world, he knew it wasn't truthful. And that was enough to just make him like seething, you know? Mm-hmm. That was um, the most impressive part of Snyder's play here is that despite the, the gun to the head, despite the face in the toilet. Which gross. He never broke. I mean, yeah, he cried and sobbed and and said, I'm sorry and stuff like that. But he never actually said, yeah, that was my fault, which was what Will wanted. Will wanted to come in there, monologue for a little bit, get him to say, yeah, it's my fault, and then shoot him. I thought it was really impactful how Snyder did remind Will of all the things that they had actually been through, reminding him about teaching Charlie how to play poker. And he made him breakfast every day. And he, you know, was Uncle Alan and that he actually pulled the tarp back and saw Charlie's face and made sure that he was properly buried and taken care of. And I think that as ugly as this world is, and it certainly is, if you go back to any of the like World War II Schindler's List kind of stuff, If an individual body was actually given a burial individually and like given a moment to have anybody even care about that individual person, if you try to take it at this level that it is of this intergalactic war, that was a lot. Yeah. You know, I mean, the rest of those bodies were just thrown in a hole, I guarantee you, or if even that was done. You know, and so I know it doesn't if you compare it to our norm of like, yeah, but Will didn't get to, you know, grieve for his son and didn't get to. That's very, very true. And that is awful. But 90 percent of the people who are being killed at this point are never going to have anything like even what Charlie had. Right. 
Right. So many are just pulped. Yeah. And for just have anybody who cared about them at all be in charge of laying them to rest was something. And I do think that that's the kind of stuff that did get to Will. It's not the things that he necessarily say. I know he said I buried him, but it's the like the in between the lines of that of like and none of those rest of those people got buried and nobody. And and for me to take the time out to actually do that, can you imagine what that looked like? You know, with the gray hats there and the everything, you know, like think about all the in between the unsaid words that were in between that. That was like, oh, my God. You know, I I went a little bit away from the emotional side. And, you know, we've been saying since the McGregor camp fell that if Will ever finds out, then he'll kill Snyder. At least I've been saying that. And I was kind of wondering what Snyder could say that would prevent that. And I think Will was sure going in about what he felt about Snyder's role in the Grey Hats. And Snyder said enough to, to as Johnny Cochran would say, insert that reasonable doubt that he couldn't kill him with that doubt that, that he had just created. And I think that even if he, I think he knew he was being truthful about the burial and he knew he was being truthful about the tarp and stuff. Now, here's the thing. We didn't see a burial. No. We don't know that he actually did it. We know he did pull the tarp back, but we don't know that he actually buried that child. So he could just be saying it to to pull on heartstrings and try to try to get out of this situation. Okay, so now we have the big pinnacle moment here of... Bram walking in and realizing with these huge wide eyes that Will hasn't killed him. Yeah, that was an amazing moment when Bram's like, why isn't he dead? Or did he say, why haven't you killed him yet? Either way, it amounts to the same thing. I don't know that Will was prepared for Bram's really cold-blooded stake in this whole thing. I'm positive he wasn't. And I think that this entire situation, both involving Bram and even getting to the point of kidnapping a guy, holding his head in a toilet, you know, doing all this stuff was like, I can't believe that I've gotten to where I've gotten to. And I appreciated that Will, and we didn't really give a fair shake to Will's side of this, of like, think of how many hoops you made me jump through in order to get Charlie back just for me to watch him die. You know, think about all the different horrible things you made me do under your orders. And and now I'm supposed to boohoo for you in any form or fashion. And Bram had his own beefs. He had baggage from the work camp and then he had his own personal like i vouched for this guy to you i stuck up for him to in front of you yes and he had his own reasons he uh i was almost expecting him to grab for a gun i really honestly thought he was going to at least punch schneider in the face i almost would have applauded him for doing so and like hope to that that would have given him some amount of relief you know of a all knee this. drop on a prone man like that would fuck him up I a kick to the head <laughs> you know one kick to the head i don't know about knee drops I'm oh not- yeah your whole weight falling on like a dude's ribs it's completely unprotected yeah yeah you'd like it seems like you put long. a lot of thought into this well i'm not a big guy so i've got to think about this kind of stuff i didn't even know you knew how to do a knee drop i think it would just come to me file this under things i did not know about paul well, and wondering 
is he thinking about knee dropping me right now? Me? No, not you. I mean, like, you know, Joe Q Public. Oh, God. Well, y'all can be thinking about that. <laughs> I I don't have any concerns he's going to knee drop me. Nah, not you. Never. I really did have grave concerns that Bram was going to do something. I didn't know if it was going to be a gun. I didn't know if he was just going to kick him. I didn't know what it was going to be, but I definitely was worried. No, here's the weird side point. I never thought Snyder was going to die. Yeah, me neither. So then when you get like that thing going, it was like they were being very convincing, both Will and Bram and even Broussard, that today's the day we all kill Proxy. But no part of my heart actually, you know, that visceral part of me wasn't, I was like, nah, they're not, it's, I don't know why it's not going to happen, but it's not going to happen today. Do you think that this disappointment could propel Bram into going rogue and trying to find Snyder on his own? I think he could go rogue, period. I think that this is all the extra push he needs to get his own apartment. This is all the push he needs to just say, I'm out of this family. Like, you guys are a joke and I can't abide by anything you do in this household anymore. I agree. I think the next time we see Bram, he will be making permanent decisions. Uh, Me too. I absolutely 100% agree with that. So how awful did you feel with the idea that Will is now having this total breakdown? He, he, his eyes were so sad and he was just like, this is such a mistake that I involved you, Bram, and trying to tell him to get out of there and eventually tell Snyder to just run out, you know? Super heartbreaking because now he finds out that his son has killed somebody. So, you know, you keep that impression of your kid and their purity for as long as you can. So whenever it's broken, it's like, you know, this hasn't been a a great afternoon for Will here, having gone through this whole Snyder thing. But now you find out your son has actually done something unimaginable. Bad day. I've never killed a man, but I definitely still feel like there are parts to... Still? Right. There's there's like parts to, you know, life that like you just don't need to share with your parents, you know, it, that that you're right. Once that switch is clicked, you you just don't want to ever have that happen where you because you can't go back. He felt like he wasn't being taken seriously. And, and it was fair, though. It was fair because Will was being patronizing in that way to sit there and say, well, you don't know what it is to look down a barrel of a gun. You don't know how hard it is to kill a man. You right. don't know what it is to live with that in your heart. He he was right on calling Will out and saying, hey, <laughs> you may not know what I've been up to all these years. And uh, I don't think I need you to be telling me anything anymore. Doesn't that sound a lot like the the uh, well, if you were a mother, you'd know conversations that young teachers get. Oh, yeah, it kind of does. <laughs> yeah, that's that's totally truthful. Yeah. Those eyes that Bram gives Will and Snyder when Snyder skitters out the door. Super pissed. Oh my goodness. I could best describe them as like, is his name Shere Khan the snake from, <laughs> from Jungle Book? Uh, when his eyes are so freaking big. Do you remember him? Yeah, because he hypnotizes with his eyes. But just, he's just like, so like, I'm going to kill you all. He was barely containing it. I am shocked. He didn't like kick over the 
the toilet of of foul water or I'm surprised actually that he didn't like punch Will or push Will or that it didn't come to something because you have been very clear to me that when men get in these situations where they're what's the right word like everything is just like their blood is boiling it's all just their blood like, is up yeah yeah that that this it, it would make sense that he can't just go walk it off He's going to have to push someone. He might go kill a bum now. I mean, that's all I'm saying. I don't know if Seattle has bums, but I would put that on just the last remnants of respect for his dad. Yeah, I th- I think it's over. I think it's broken at this point. And not like I think Will should have killed Proxy in order to keep Bram in, in his respect circle. Do you know? I mean, I don't I don't know. When I think about it, like, should Will have killed him? I don't know, because Will really did absorb what Snyder was saying in terms of like the I didn't ask for this either. I don't want to be here any more than you do. I didn't ask for this to happen. I was thrown into this just as you were. So quit, you know, hassling me, man. Like there's nothing I could do. And it's true. I mean, Snyder didn't sign up for this. He was yanked out of his office like everybody else, you Mm -hmm. know? So, man, this was a show, an episode where I really felt like there was nobody that I felt like I was like, well, let me take that back. I was down on Team Amy. Anyone who's pro Team Amy, I've got no love for that situation. But I really felt like Broussard, Snyder, Will, Bram, all of the people that were a part of that that mission, I really feel for. What do you think of the closing scene where the Bowmans sit apart, not touching, not talking? Um, and, and it's sort of like when a baby sees a grown up when their mom cry. And like Katie starts to cry because Will's crying. She didn't cry. Her eyes filled up a little bit with tears and she put her hand by her mouth, but she didn't cry. Do you think this comes to something off camera or do you think I this feel is just more... like I cannot relate to Katie at all? Once again, can't relate at all. I mean, I guarantee you, I don't feel like I would have needed to say anything to you, but if I came downstairs and you were collapsed on the floor crying. I don't care what had been going on between me and you. They have been married over 20 years. And yes, these last this last year or two has been has been hard and terrible and bad stuff has happened. But what about the other years? What about all the rest of the time? Like, I mean, I would collapse on you and hug you and we wouldn't have to say a word, but I I know in my heart that you would grab onto me and you would want me to to do that and vice versa. If I was sitting there bawling my eyes out and you have come in to me sitting somewhere bawling my eyes out and you don't go like, what's all this? What's all this? You come over and the first thing you do is just hug me. Just hug me. What's your take on it as a guy? Will and I are roughly the same age. He's a little bit older than me. I am positive he would have come from the school of upbringing that really discouraged boys from crying really discouraged it you know the ranger training the fbi training all would have backed that up right so the fact that he was crying in a very vulnerable like i don't even know what to do anymore kind of way like left the front door open kind yeah, of way yeah was like definitely a rock bottom situation for him you know like showing you that i'm crying losing it yeah that's something is changing for Will now, but is it going to be, is it going to be something positive? Like we got to get out of this block again, or is it going to be 
something where he's like, well, I'm going to start drinking now or, or, or something. I, I don't know. Sure. Hope it's not that. Do you have any predictions for, well, for you Will? didn't answer. You skittered away from reality. If I was sitting there crying on the floor, it would mean that I was at rock bottom also that it, that it would all, whatever defenses you put up as a person raised not to cry, uh, if they disappear, if they disappear for me, then you know it's as bad as I've ever felt. So would you have wanted me to hug on you or would you have hugged on me if I was the one on the floor? Yes. And I, I just felt so yuck that they just didn't. I, I, just, I really feel terrible about that. I really do. I think that that was just bad news. You know, I don't like it. So, all right, let's get to the real end, too, of the Snyder sitch, which was Snyder walking back down the hall. He doesn't sell. Why do you think out. he did that? Why do you, I? I have my own opinion, which is, in a way, he thought he had it coming. I think so, and I think he he always knew it was coming. And yeah, I think it was just like they both let off, let out, let it all out. Like they both like yelled, and Will didn't kill him. <sighs> you know what? He if they if he runs his family out of the block now. I don't know. I just, I think he couldn't do anything else. And he, he did seem like he was actually crying walking down the hall. Like he wiped his eyes, mm-hmm. you know, everything. I think that, and I think that that goes beyond just like, oh my God, I almost just got killed. I, I really think that goes to like that. I, I, this was just, this is just raking me over the coals. I thought it was a hilarious, nice bit of comic relief to say he was just keeping company basically and he likes to get slapped around. Right. I thought that was a, how <laughs> I spend my private time is my business. <laughs> I thought that was actually pretty awesome. So it went out on a high note for me with Snyder in that regard and reminded me of like why I think he's a cool character. And, uh, you know, I really, I feel for everybody involved in this situation. I don't know what's happening. There's a lot of wives out there who might say my husband would like me to just stay away from him if he's crying. I get that. It's just not my relationship. And it certainly isn't something after 20 plus years that I feel like I don't know how you just sit there. I just don't get it. So for me, Katie still doesn't ring true as as anybody I relate to. Doesn't mean she's a bad character or a bad person. She's just not relatable to me. Gracie still on the chalkboard is like, what are you up to, little girl? You got something in your brain. You got something cooking. And I just am curious as anything about what she's got going on. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks. Catch us on iTunes or your preferred podcast software. Our website, dailyreview.com. That's D-A-L-E-Y review.com. Facebook or Twitter or wherever you find us, please leave us a comment and a rating to let us know what you think of the show. Thanks for listening, pot people. Thanks for listening to my mom and dad. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Just go home, folks.